Hi, Rebecca. There you are. Hi. Oh, hi. hi. How book, are you? Your book proudly displayed in the background. I know. You like it. <laughs> Brilliant. I've got my uh, tribe section top up there, but you can't see it. Oh. Like you just see from here upwards, and that's no good. <laughs> How are you doing? Are you okay? Yeah, I'm good. How are you? Yeah, not too bad. Thank you. Not bad. Good, it's quite good. A Wednesday, halfway through the week. I'm absolutely. No. <laughs> Weekend, weekend. Like, oh, no more energy now. I'm done. <laughs> so Wednesday feeling. Okay, so I think we'll just jump into straight into it because I had to. We had to rearrange last week, didn't we? So yeah, this is well overdue. Um, so <laughs> start off by telling us a bit about yourself, about you know where you're from, what you kind of do for work, and things like that. You bit a bit about your background. Okay, so I'm from Stoke-on-Trent. Um, I'm actually a support worker for learning disability right now. I only work part-time because I've got a little boy, my baby. Um, yeah, what else do I know? I think you've pretty much touched on everything, really. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, for anyone that doesn't know, Rebecca is an author. Um, she has written a book called The Unspoken, not The Unknown, like I kept calling it the other day. <laughs> a nightmare. Um so can you kind of go into how old you were when the abuse that you've experienced started and kind of how it all started to happen and then obviously go from there wherever you feel like you you, you need to yeah so obviously I was six years old um and it was with a my best friend who's her mum was my mum's best friend mm-hmm. um and it was her I want to say Fowler because they weren't married, so yeah. her boyfriend. Yeah. Um, it was him, so my best friend's stepdad. Um, it went from there, really, when I was six. And obviously, I used to go around a lot and sleeping and stuff. And then, obviously, you know, he gained a lot of trust in that. Yeah. And then um, he offered to babysit a lot as well. So from there, that's it, really. That's what they do, isn't it? They... they they find people that they think are vulnerable and that they can easily manipulate and control and they yeah. get themselves into situations where they are alone with children or those vulnerable people and then that's how they yeah. are able to get those opportunities to be able to abuse people because yes that's i mean that's exactly what my abuser did he was my own dad and it was always when he was home alone with me and never in front of everybody yeah. else so nobody knew what was going on for a long time and that's exactly what yeah. the guy that was abusing you has done as well. Um, yeah, they create an opportunity, don't they? Yeah. They create um, a trusting relationship with yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel they look at um, what you're missing from home as well. Yeah. Um, that's a way to manipulate you because obviously what you're missing from there, they'll use as a um, a tool basically to get what they want. Yeah, they try and entice And then you obviously... Like sweets and money and affection and just... Yes, exactly. And things like that, so... If they know mm-hmm. that you're not getting those kind of things at home from your family, that's what they will do to draw you in and to, to like look yeah. you in. I can't say the words, but yeah, I mean, so it happened to you, and was it and it happened to your friend as well? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it would happen mostly when you were again you were on your own with him. It was when he mm-hmm. was around, so he was babysitting you. Um, yeah. Can you tell us a bit more about? how it kind of escalated from 
you know the grooming side of things to more the physical side and the the the, the sexual side of things obviously as much as you can feel uncom uh, comfortable enough sharing yeah so we um well probably some of them to yeah 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 <laughs> um so obviously um the baby session happened more of course um and then oh god i'm trying to remember like how it used to be it was just a lot of Mm, sweets and stuff like this you know I think it was learning how to um create secrets yeah. without creating secrets yeah if you get me without saying this is our secret he would create things to see if we would then tell our mums like he would probably like give us sweets um hoping we don't tell our mums when our mums have said no mm -hmm. if you see what I'm saying so he would yeah testing yeah. the waters first yeah um and then um I do actually make an admission in my book um, that I don't, well, I've never told anybody before, obviously, about, um, I actually asked Derek to come to bed. Um, that didn't mean, I, it took a lot of therapy to understand that that wasn't me asking to be abused. That was me. Yeah, that was me um, being the adult, trying to be, mm -hmm. thinking, oh, you know, you love each other so yeah that's what that's what you do when you love each other you lie in bed you know this is what children are brought up to believe and see you know with your parents and stuff it's a natural thing mm. um so obviously from there that was his opportunity then that was it and he the moment I remember the moment we lay in bed um it was when he he started saying get undressed that's when I was like oh it's something is not right now. This is too much. yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, I wasn't asking for that. I was asking for the lay in bed and, mm -hmm. you know, the, the thing that you do with, you know, your, my auntie, well, I'd say my auntie. Um, that thing, the love and affection, that part. Um, so obviously then instantly you have a gut feeling that it's not right, but you don't know that it's not right or how not right it is. Yeah. Um, so obviously then it went from there into bed and he was lying there and then obviously... As I say in the book, um, the golden words come out then of, you can't tell your mummies about this. And I can remember it like it was yesterday. Yeah. Um, I can, and I can remember how I said why, you know, to him and stuff. It was so innocent and so, of like, you know, well, why? But, yeah. um, and then obviously he said, well, that's where the threatening comes in and, you know, the manipulation of, uh, yeah. I'll never see my mum again. Yeah. She'll get arrested yeah. and I'll get taken from her and that's that. So from then you keep your mouth shut, and then on top of that, into you that if you if you do speak up, that you will be taken away from your family. You'll never see them again. And yeah, people will be hurt, and it'll all be your fault. And that's exactly what they do. They they instill this fear yeah. in you that if you even dare think about saying anything to anybody, that's it. Your whole life's mm -hmm. over. And as a child, that's like the worst idea ever. And yeah, definitely. Family around, not having a, the life that you've always wanted to have, like. It's, yeah. it's so scary as an adult to think about losing the life that you've always wanted. But as a child, that's even, that's just terrifying. Like, Yeah, exactly. And the best of it is, is uh, obviously you grow a love for your abuser. Of course you do, you know, they're meant to be there to love you and you love them. It's, it's a natural thing. Mm. Um, well, I felt it was anyway, you know. Um, 
so obviously he also added in the part where like you know and i'd never see him again and you know and he's right there and i'm thinking oh i don't want that you know and it's such a it's a shame because it's such an innocent mind that they're probing at at that point mm-hmm. and you think right so from there obviously it's escalated from there you, you then got your treats even more yeah. you then got all this stuff that you never had at home or whatever you know mm. so yeah it's that's why it escalated and then i've I'm about halfway through your book at the moment, so I've gotten to the point just after um, where you started speaking about that a t- you'd spoken to the teacher um, and mm-hmm. disclosed things to them, and then obviously that was when the police were involved. So can you explain a little bit more about how that all happened for obviously for people who haven't yet read your book? Because if they haven't, then they should do. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, how it was was um, I remember it was um, watching an episode of Hollyoaks. I'm really sure it was Hollyoaks, and I remember seeing something on there where um, it was grooming, basically. But the part that got to me was um, it wasn't her fault. Mm-hmm. That stuck in my mind. It's always stuck in my mind anyway. Whether I've done right, I've done wrong with him, whatever you know, because obviously my auntie left at the age of ten, so for four years I was abused. Yeah. Um, so then, that it's always there anyway that I feel like it's wrong, but I don't say anything just in case I'm wrong, then I'm going to get in trouble, you know, I'll, yes. I will get taken or whatever. Mm. Um, but when I saw that, it kind of, you know, triggered a little light in my head, in a sense. I was thinking, what if I'm not wrong? What if he was bad? What if he did do something? And obviously, it was from when I saw, I mean, he lived in the street opposite us, so... I saw new neighbours move in and uh, they had a little girl and it was when I saw a little girl sitting on his knee in their garden with their parents, well her parents, yeah. sitting laughing and she was on his knee that instantly I was like no, 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 uh, whether it's right or wrong what he did in my mind at this point, um, whether it's right or wrong what he did I don't want the same thing happening to her yeah. at all yeah. so that's when it just escalated into then okay I want to test the waters I want to tell somebody at school mm-hmm. it's funny because obviously when I went in school I tried to pretend it was a friend of mine just in case they said oh no they are so wrong yeah <laughs> so I was just like I'm just wondering you know I was just trying to play that what happened if? <laughs> yeah exactly yeah. yeah that's what I did so I was like okay let's try it that way but she instantly knew yeah so then she obviously wanted some more questions and went to um the headmaster and then obviously they phoned the parents and then well they phoned my mum yeah that's when you had to obviously disclose everything to your mum as well and yeah your friend to her parents and obviously that was when obviously you had to contact the police i mean i don't even know i don't remember much of what happened when i was a child with the police case with my dad but as an adult now it's still got ongoing two and a half years later and I, that's me, me as a 28-year-old woman who can give a statement now, but as a child, yeah, it's, I mean, because I was so young, they didn't want to take a statement, and that's something I'm really angry about, but I, in a way, they kind of wouldn't have been able to get much sense from me with me being so young, but, so how old were you when you actually had to give a statement to the police and obviously tell them what um, you 12, round about 12, 13, so yeah. Year seven, year eight age. Yeah. 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 So did they immediately go and um 
get him from his house or wherever he was and question him or did they do a little bit of investigating first before they tried to speak to him about it? The, um, the only investigation they did really was obviously the interviews with me and uh, my childhood best friend. Yeah. Um, it was when we could describe certain stuff on his body that they thought, right, okay, we've, we've got to do something here. Yeah, um, that yeah exactly, exactly. And um, our story, obviously, they match up stories, they do all that. Our stories were perfectly intact, you know, it's just... So they, they started there, then they started waiting outside his house because mm-hmm. uh, I thought it would be as simple as, go rest him, see you later, it's gone, and that's it. But yeah. obviously, it never turns out that way. Um, so they waited outside his house. I can remember just threatening all the time, thinking, you know, what if he finds out and comes get me or whatever. Yeah. Um, but then obviously, because we had to have interview, then you have another interview where you are in a room and the camera's in the corner mm. um, with a CID lady. She was lovely. Um, so from there, obviously, she then contacted and said that um, they waited outside his house because the last couple of times we were there, he'd gone to work or where he, wherever he'd gone. So they waited outside his house, checked the time he comes back, and then from there they arrested him mm-hmm. and took his computer and stuff. Yeah. So do you know if they found anything on his computer or his devices? Was there any um, like child sexual abuse imagery found? or was it? Was it I actually cannot there? remember. I cannot remember whether they did or not. Yeah. But I do know, obviously, from there he, he stayed in mm-hmm. thingy in there and he pled guilty in the end anyway. So so he had the, I'm not going to say the the balls to admit it because mm-hmm. a man who abuses children doesn't have, you know, hypothetical balls, so to speak. But um, <laughs> So he actually admitted to what he'd done. Like, my dad's just completely oblivious to the idea of it. He's mm-hmm. like, she's making it up, she's a liar, she's doing it for this reason because she wants money. And I'm like, don't care, don't want any money. I make my own money. Like, there's so many things that... They, I mean, they don't only try to control the people that they've abused. They try to control the police as well. So if they yeah. go into this investigation of, I'm completely innocent and I've done nothing wrong and I'm the victim here, then that's just that's why it drags on for so long. But, I mean, I'm so happy for you that he actually admitted to what he had done. And he yeah. was, you know, charged for it straight away rather than dragging it out for years and years and just making yeah. it worse for you. Like, that, I mean, yeah. That's how I think they must have had something on his computer. Mm-hmm. Because um, then I think it would have gone on for longer. Yeah. Um, it did go on, it did drag a little. Um, not that long, Not that much. Um, but, yeah, I think they had more evidence. I think that's how they managed to keep him in. And that's how they managed to write, okay, we've got two people here that are going to testify against you. Because we had to go to the court uh, before, obviously, um, the actual date of the court. So that's how I know it dragged a bit, because obviously we had to go to see the court where we would sit and everything. Yeah. Uh, luckily, because he pled guilty on the morning that we were originally meant to go, um, I didn't have to go to court. But I just broke my heart because, obviously, he knew what he was doing. Mm-hmm. And that's what killed me the most. I thought, wow. He just hasn't got the, no, no, you know, I, I didn't do that or I didn't mean to or anything. None of that. It was just the, yeah, okay, I fucked up somebody's life. Yeah. And that just killed me, that did. Yeah, I mean, I remember that in your book, bit, sorry, that bit in your book where you said that you were literally getting ready to, you were, I think you were choosing what to wear or something like that and you were getting obviously nervous mm. about it and then somebody came up to you and said, 
you don't need to go he's admitted it it's all over yeah i mean yeah it's my mum yeah that i mean not that it fixes everything that's happened and takes it all away but um, i can imagine that weight lifting off your shoulders in a way but at the same time it was his last way of getting that last bit of control where he's like oh i'm not going to let this go to court i'm just going to admit it and let it just be done with now and that's my last yeah. bit of control and you know manipulation over everybody else yeah, he was clever doing yeah. that really because he knew he knew exactly what he was doing. He wasn't, yeah, he wasn't going to give us our voice, you know. Exactly. He wasn't going to do that. To yeah, yeah, exactly. Any yeah. any other chance to silence you, even though at that point you were older than you were when obviously the abuse was happening. Mm-hmm. Again, he's not daft. He knows they know exactly what they're doing. Um, yeah, yeah. I always say they might be very like absolutely terrible people, but they're not stupid. They know. They know oh no, to do. no. Um, so tell us a bit more about how your book came around did you kind of just decide that you wanted to write a book one day and then you just literally got started on it or did somebody approach you about the idea of it and help you with that or no what it was was um, um, you're only halfway through so you'll see it then but I do get into a, a relationship that creates me to then I'll just keep it short but it creates me to then go to therapy mm-hmm. um obviously I've been to counseling therapy before all this and then this final time I wanted it you know yeah. fixed I used to think I need to be fixed um so obviously I went to therapy what did it for me was um the fact that I was sitting in a room of other victims and they were so broken mm-hmm. everybody was broken and I just I've always been the type of person to speak up anyway. I've always naturally been the person to, you know, say say what's on my mind or whatever, you know. If they won't speak up, I'll do it for you. That's what I've always been. Yeah. So obviously I went to this therapy group and these, bless them, including me, were broken and I was broken as well, but I felt like I wasn't as broken. Mm-hmm. So I don't know, I felt the stronger one out of the bunch. Even though I was sitting there, I would hardly say anything in the first couple of weeks. Um... But then, uh, yeah, so the fact that they were broken, and I remember this lady, I won't mention her name or anything, but she was cutting herself and she was hurting herself, mm-hmm. and she's got children. Yeah. Um, and she'd been in a psychiatric ward and all this, you know, and she just felt so defeated out of life, and I hate it. Mm-hmm. I can't stand the fact that people feel that way through abuse. Yeah. So the first thing I did was wrote her a little letter, <laughs> um, sitting there and I gave it to her because and it was basically saying how you know she's got children and she can live for this and you know just just basically a little inspirational letter tried to yeah and she thanked me for the next day and I thought from there I thought enough's enough I want to write the book Mm -hmm. um I can't stand abusers having the power of somebody who is now older as well they took the power when they were younger and I can't stand an abuser having the power again when they're older and they're so defeated and yeah so yeah so I wanted to write the book for bring comfort to millions of people hopefully mm-hmm. but that's why I wrote the book originally and that's exactly what it's about I mean there's other survivors out there that may have been through abuse or are currently going through any type of abuse whether it's like you know domestic violence um there's all sorts of other things that people can be going through and they don't necessarily always tell somebody about it um mm. I mean, I, I have a friend from high school who went through a similar um, experience than myself, but not with her dad, it was somebody else in the family. And um, 
she'd gone until about the age of 14, 15, halfway through high school, when she actually told me about it. And she said, I've I've never told anybody in my life. And I was just like, how, how, I couldn't even imagine how you could have gone for so long without telling anyone. I mean, I was Mm -hmm. young when it happened to me, but, and I was lucky that other things were found out so that people found out about my abuse. But there's other people that go the whole lives without telling anybody. And that's why it's so important for people like yourself to share your experience and showing that you can not heal from it, but begin to repair those little cracks that these abusers have made into your into your esteem, your self esteem, your confidence, your just your overall happiness in life. And that's why it's so important to have people like you just sharing your experience, shining a light in the darkness. Because a lot of people do yeah. live in darkness when they've been been abused for so long. Um, they do. Sorry, go on. Oh, no, it's all right. I was just going to say they do. I think um, people in society these days, they want to do this thing where they be like a normal person. They want to live normal. Yeah. I remember how you say that. Like, you know, I just want a normal mindset. I want to be normal. But there is no normal. Yeah. So the, the more people that realise that, when they read my book, the more they realise that they are, you know, there's something special now. That's, that's the only way I can think of saying it. You've got an insight to a world where nobody else has. So you can use it to an advantage. You can use it to go on to protect others. You can use it to put a stop to things, bring awareness. Mm-hmm. Um, I know it's horrible and I know people have suffered greatly and I know that. But um, it's just this line that I want, I want to disappear, this uh, normality line, you know. People feel embarrassed. I used to for saying it or like we're attention seeking for saying it's, it's absolutely ridiculous yeah like why would you that's that's what i want to get rid of known as being someone who's been abused i mean it's nothing to be ashamed about but why would you want that title hanging over your head for the rest of your life for the fun yeah. for the sake of it and for the attention like it takes yeah. a really strange person to to lie and make up abuse to get attention um, yeah yeah and for someone to accuse you of that i mean i've heard it all myself why don't you just let mm-hmm. it go, just forget about it and move on. And I'm like, until you've been through something like this, you don't have the right to tell me what to do and how to feel about yeah. what I've experienced. It's my life. I will heal however I want to. Yes. So certain family yes. members of mine were a bit disappointed or um, upset about me going to the police about my dad. They were like, y- you're bringing up old bones. You're, you know, you're digging up the past and it's going to hurt people. And I'm like, but you didn't go through it. I did. I mean, they also yeah. went through it in a way that they were around when it happened, but they didn't physically, it didn't happen to them. So mm-hmm. it's my way of healing. And I was the same as you. I was like, I don't want this happening to other children. Like, yeah. I don't know what yeah. access he's got to other children in the family or just in, like with friends and things like that. And he was even mm-hmm. um, hired at a job in a very big supermarket store. Um, I'm not going to name the name because I don't give much away about him, but... Um, and he worked in the children's department and I remember we were there once and my mum saw it and was saw him and was like do you realize you've hired a paedophile a convicted rapist and a paedophile and we were you know everyone around us just just like why is this person being allowed near children like so that's exactly what I was like I was like I'm not letting him do this to anybody else Um, yeah so literally the next day I went to the police station and it's two and a half years later now and it's still going on so um 
so that was going to be still doing the right thing well yeah i mean it it took me a long time to to get the confidence and the um motivation to do it um Mm -hmm. and it was just after a family member on on his side the family had died and i was just like i think now's the right time um i don't know what access he's got to children if he's hurting anybody else or you know i've discovered other things that he'd done in the past so i was like if he's done all that and i didn't know about it then what's he doing now so Mm -hmm. that was it um yeah so my final question was gonna be what kind of advice would you give to any survivors that have been through um child abuse as a young child or even a bit older like you were you know your young teenage years that have had either never told anybody about it or share their experience and aren't being heard or listened to by their family or their friends or don't feel supported would you give them any advice or the you know what it's it's so hard because um there was people in my therapy group that hadn't spoken up because of their family members and stuff Mm -hmm. my advice and you have to be a strong person to do so Uh, my advice to anybody like that naturally would be to speak up um However, I do have to, you know, take into consideration the way they feel that, you know, they haven't got the support. Luckily, I had the support from my mum and yeah. my family. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was one of the lucky ones in that sense where I had the support. The people that don't have the support, it's so hard for them to speak up. And my actual advice would be to be around others that have been through the same because that is when you will only feel normal. Mm-hmm. When you feel normality, that was the beauty of the therapy. I know for a fact people attended therapy uh, because they were around others. That's what they loved about it. They didn't feel so abnormal. Yeah. They felt at home yeah. rather than this freak or, you know, I shouldn't be thinking this. Rather than that, they just felt at ease. Yeah. So that's that would be my only advice, obviously. If you cannot speak up, if you feel like you haven't got that support system to speak up, because to everybody else, yes, I would say speak up, because that's the only thing that's going to stop um, abusers in a sense um, obviously you'll never get rid of paedophiles or anything like that but what we can do is bring awareness to children and protect that's what we can do mm-hmm. so um, yeah those ones that can't speak up physically feel like they haven't got that support network then be around others that you know have been through the same because then you'll find a strength in order to one day you will speak up yeah. I think if you're around people that have been through the same you naturally have a strength so I think that's my only advice, really. That's absolutely perfect advice. I'd, I'd completely agree with everything you've just said. I mean, like you said, support, um, surrounding yourself by other people that you know have been through similar things to yourself, it does help you kind of realise that you can begin to start that healing journey and other people know exactly how you feel and they can mm-hmm. support you through that and you can support them. And like, like me and you have said before, like it's a it's a the survivor community it's everybody that's yeah you know been through similar situations experiences that know how it feels to feel broken even though you're not broken so anybody that is watching yeah. listening to this that thinks they are broken and, and they've been through child abuse you are not broken it was not your fault and there is help out there there is light mm-hmm. in a dark world i can promise you that um yeah so your book is available on amazon isn't it yeah uh, yeah yes um so i have it linked on my website when the link's in my bio do you have it on your bio as well i think i might 
Yeah. Or I might not. I'll check it out. <laughs> well, it's on my website anyway. If anyone wants to go and read it, you need to buy it. You can get it on um, Kindle as well as paperback as well. Um, and I would encourage anyone that hears this to go and buy it and uh, read it. Um, and then pass it on to someone that you know that you think might in, like enjoy reading it and learning about stuff and get them to yeah. pass it on. And then before you know it, the word's out there and that's all we can do. Yeah, really, exactly. Isn't it? use our voices yeah but yeah exactly exactly well, thank you so much for jumping on you've been a wonderful okay, guest to you. have um, <laughs> um but yeah, mm-hmm. thank you so much for jumping on and uh enjoy the rest of your week and i will speak to you soon okay thank okay. you bye speak to you soon bye everyone see you later Thank you so much to everyone who's listened. It really does mean a lot to me. I've got some more incredible interviews coming up in the next week, so keep your eye out for those. If you want to learn more about what Child Protection Project's about, you can head over to the website, which is www.childprotectionproject.co.uk, and we're also on Instagram.